Amen. Turn to somebody, say hello, and greet them tonight. So glad that everyone has come back. And that snow, that slush, the slurpee on the ground, it's all kind of gone away. Praise God for that. But the forecasters, the prognosticators, tell us we're going to have several days of that this week. So instead of amen, everybody say, oh me. Oh me, except for folks who get paid to clean it up. So there you go. All right. He looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. You know, the salvation that so freely provided us is the basis for our successful Christian living. We talked about that this morning. God did it all. And without God, we're not going to make it. Without God, our relationships, our everyday choices are going to be skewed. They're going to be messed up. And we need to learn the principles that we preached this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. We do have bulletins available in the back. Beautiful bulletins. Loving God, loving each other with great material inside. And you can use it as a soul winning tool. So pick up all the extras and take them with you and drop them off at restaurants and stores and wherever you go this week and say, this is our church bulletin. By the way, read the back and please do what it says. It'll be a blessing and you'll see folks come to God through Christ. We have our regular offering envelopes. Thank you for your faithfulness. I'd like to thank those who gave this week and those who gave today. And the rest of you, if you get that mailed in or dropped off, that will help us in our continuing ministry here at Central. Uh, welcome to everybody all around the world, all of you around the country. Thank you for your faithfulness. We've got some very faithful viewers who are in some very diverse places. And uh, I want you to know we're praying for you. I know that the church situation in a lot of other places are far, those situations are far more desperate than ours is. Thank you for the extra giving to uh, our hardback Bibles. Give the gift of God's Word. We're going to be sending those uh, out. $8 per Bible. Please help us out. And many have given extra toward that. We thank you so much for that. Now tonight, I'd like you to take your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Please don't be surprised. I know that on Wednesday evenings, we've been in Ephesians. In fact, we've been in Ephesians chapter 4. And tonight, God has laid on my heart a message from Ephesians chapter 4. The verse that we're going to read as our text is a very familiar one. It's one that we have preached and taught uh, in uh, this setting and in others as well. There, this is the verse that is used frequently in counseling. It's used for folks that are about to be married, folks that are married and having trouble, folks that are having difficulty with family in-laws and circumstances of life. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now when we come to this verse in a week or two in our Wednesday night study, you will already have the material that we're preaching tonight. We trust that this will be a help to you. This verse is so very important. Be ye kind. Be ye kind. And I know that some of you think that as a preacher, because I am a fundamentalist, in order to be a good fundamentalist, we just chew razor blades, three meals a day, and uh, that's all we do. Just kind of be a little nasty and a little mean. And I confess, I know some folks that are like that. 
while I am a fundamentalist, I don't think it is necessary for us to be hateful or mean and to have a bad attitude about the truth. I knew a preacher. I'm not kidding you now. I am not making this up, nor am I exaggerating. I think if I, if I mentioned the name of this preacher to Gabe back there, he would, he would beller out an amen for what I'm going to say right now. I knew a preacher that he would use every circumstance in his own way. Mother's Day, you get a crowd of folks out and they're dressed in their spring finery and everybody's sitting with mama and you got an extra large crowd and he would use that occasion to preach on hell. I mean, he did it. He did it. Easter, you know, Resurrection Day, you could preach on the glories of Christ and he'd figure out some way to preach on judgment. I mean, it was, it was, that's the way he, he, whenever he'd get a crowd, and it was a good-sized crowd, he would preach on that, and he would trap the audience. And I don't doubt for a second his fundamentalism. That never was in question, nor his zeal. I only question the man's sanity and propriety, because it's certainly not wise to do that. There are times to preach the paint off the wall on the subject of hell or judgment. Absolutely. And I do that more often than not. But there are times to preach sweet messages. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Amen. Oh, how sweet. Oh, how sweet. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. There's a time to preach sweetness. By the way, that preacher that used Mother's Day and Easter to preach on hell and judgment, it didn't work very long. Word got around. And what normally would have been the larger days in a church were smaller days because people knew they needed to go down the road and hear a real Mother's Day message or a real Resurrection Day service. I want to bring one of those sweet messages tonight. Please don't feel like I have... Uh, departed from the faith I have not. We just sang a very sweet, wonderful song by Dottie Rambo. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. Not far from New York in a cemetery lone, close guarding its grace, stands a simple headstone, and all the inscription is one word alone, forgiven, forgiven. No sculptor's fine art hath embellished its form, but constantly there, through the calm and the storm, it beareth this word from a poor fallen worm, forgiven. It shows not the date of the silent one's birth, reveals not his frailties nor lies of his worth, but speaks out the tale from his few feet on earth, forgiven. The death is unmentioned, the name is untold, beneath lies the body, corrupted and cold, above rests his spirit, at home in the fold, forgiven. And when from the heavens the Lord shall descend, the stranger shall rise and to glory ascend, well known and befriended, to sing without end, forgiven, forgiven. We often repeat the words of the song that's in our hymnal. It's a song holy angels cannot sing. 
Why? Because they've never experienced that amazing grace, that forgiveness, having one's slate wiped clean. Not easily done, but wonderfully done. Not uh, accomplished at small price, but at tremendous cost. Forgiven. Forgiven. Tonight, I want to bring a message entitled, Be Kind. Let's pray. Father, fill me now with the Holy Spirit. I know, Lord, that somebody tonight, either here or in our viewing audience, is going to be benefited because you never lead me in a message that returns void. Thank you for your word that's true. And thank you, Lord, that we can be tender-hearted, forgiving, that we can be kind. Lord, help us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It takes so little to make us sad. And it takes so little to turn around and make us glad. There are people in this world who have the power over my spirit to spoil my day, to hurt me, to wound me. You say, preacher, by now you should be immune. And perhaps there is some truth to that. A preacher may have the skin of an armadillo. He's still got the heart. Hopefully the heart of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus Christ, in His very heart of hearts, can be wounded by His children, by the way we behave or fail to behave, and by, we, by the way we treat others. Just a sliding word. A doubtful sneer, an inflection in the voice, a look in the eye, scornful smile, oh yeah? And some lip, lips that are held dear, and our footsteps lag. We've lost the joy. It takes so little to make someone sad takes so little to turn it around and make them glad. We can do it by taking to heart the Word of God, by being kind, by being kind. You say, well, we don't have much training at that. And it's true. We're told as children to play nice. Now, Mom doesn't spend much time or Dad in telling us just how we're to play nice. When our brother or sister or our friend has all the toys and won't share them or treats us, mistreats us, or even abuses us, how can we be kind? How can we play nice? Sir Walter Scott, famous, famous in British literature, Sir Walter Scott, when he was a little boy, believe it or not, didn't do well in school. He was known to be dull as a student. That was the word his teachers and tutors used. He was discouraged. But Sir Walter Scott has a vivid memory of when he was very young and not doing well in school. Bobby Burns, Scotland's most famous singer, read some lines of poetry 
to the little Sir Walter Scott. Put his hand on the head of his little friend. And he encouraged him and told him that he should continue on. He should not give up. He should not quit. And that inspired and encouraged the lad so that he became one of England's greatest writers. There was a marvelous change and he could mark it to the day that he sat with Bobby Burns. One of the greatest evangelists who ever shook this continent from England. At one time was a small boy growing up in poverty. Two famous men from America, D.L. Moody, the evangelist, who had risen himself out of a very poor background and not much education, to become the evangelical preacher who shook two continents for God, accompanied by Ira Sankey, the man that Moody said, you'll have to quit your job. You'll have to give up your work and come with me. And Ira Sankey would sit at a pump organ and pump with his feet. That little pump reed organ on the platform before thousands and sing with his voice of, of, uh, of baritone strength, that strong voice, the songs of the Moody Sankey revivals. But after one meeting one day in England, they went out to a gypsy camp, preached, saw results, and a little boy came up to them and wanted to talk and wanted to learn everything about Moody and Sankey and their ministry. And for some reason, he could not explain. It was the Lord, obviously. Ira Sankey, famous singer, who sold so many books in England during those revivals that he would have been fabulously rich if he'd kept one penny of it. He did not. He turned, put his hand once again. Another man doing this put his hand on the head of that gypsy boy and said, I believe God's going to make a preacher out of you. And he grew and became Gypsy Smith, the great evangelist. Traveled across the Atlantic two dozen times. Preached in the great cities, the hard cities. One of his most successful campaigns that he ever conducted. He preached in almost a 100% Catholic city in our nation, St. Louis, Missouri. And thousands were saved. And he always looked back to Ira Sankey putting his hand on his head and saying, I believe God's going to call this young man. God's going to make something out of this young man. I have seen time and time again what can be wrought in the ministry when you take time to show a little kindness, a little kindness. My grandfather, I've described him to you so often, on my mother's side, my mom's dad. I'm talking about Alfred M. Jacobson. They just called him Jake Jacobson. He was the haberdasher from Oldham, South Dakota. Everybody in the county knew him as the best Christian anybody knew for miles and miles. When they'd come to visit South St. Paul, Minnesota, where I was a teenager, 
he'd come with me in the backyard and he'd sit on the step or he'd sit on a chair. And in his Norwegian accent, he'd say, Ah, sure, you betcha, Brad. What do you think? What do you think about? And he'd say, What do you think about? And he'd fill in the blank. And then he'd listen to me. And some of my ramblings and babbling were just silly. But he never smirked or laughed at me. He never put me down. And I can remember him putting his hand on my shoulder and saying to me, Ah, sure, Brad, someday you'll make a preacher. You'll make a preacher. And I have learned and am learning what kindness can do. I saw it in my father. My father was kind to others. Many times in the churches where he pastored, people were not kind to him. A couple of churches, they formed groups to see if they could remove, think of that, the kindest man they ever knew. My dad weathered all of those storms and never lost his kind spirit. Even to the end, he was always known for his kindness. He was kind to me. He would come home from the office having spent 14, 15, 16 hours serving the needs of Christ and others. And he'd say, son, let's go play some ball in the street. And he'd throw me grounders or hit me flies. We spent time together. He showed me kindness. Gene and Daisy Botel, an elderly couple who discovered us in our first pastorate. We were just kids. They drove 40 miles through the hills of Wisconsin. They heard that there was a place where people were getting saved. And they came and they showed us kindness. They had us to their house. They told us their life story, how they'd been saved. He had gone to Practical Bible Institute in New York and eventually moved down to Pennsylvania. But he was, he was a man of the book, of the word. And Daisy was a woman who was stricken with polio and on one Easter Sunday before she got up she said the Lord told her in a dream that she would walk and she got up that day and she walked all the way around the city lake even though she had polio and they taught us kindly that there is a God in heaven the God of the New Testament a book of Acts God who can work miracles and up until that time, I believed in the God of the Bible, the God of the book of Acts. But I had not seen miracles. But I saw God move. And I look back to the kindness of Jean and Daisy Botel. We've tried to show kindness to those that were called throwaways or castaways, second chancers. And we find when we're kind, perhaps every once in a while, we might be mistaken for somebody else. It says in Acts and chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, in verse 38, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So you think he would thunder. You think he would, he would peel the paint off the walls with his messages, and Jesus did do that. But that's not in this verse. Who went about what? Doing good. Jesus took the children up in his arms. Said to the disciples who objected, Suffer the children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom. Kindness. Kindness. You may think of 
the loud, roaring preaching of the fundamental, independent, fundamental Baptist preacher. But I choose to think of the acts of kindness. When somebody, maybe a child, maybe a person is not making sense, but they don't, they, in kindness, they don't point out the foolishness. They choose in that moment to not embarrass that individual. They choose in that moment to be kind. Kindness and ruthless teasing do not go together. Kindness emanates from a heart that is patterned after the very heart of the Lord Jesus. Tender-hearted, forgiving. When we are kind, we are most like the Lord Jesus than at any other time. You say, oh, but it's when we pronounce the truth, when we preach standards, when we talk about doing right and righteousness versus error and doing wrong. No, it's when we show kindness. The other is necessary. To be balanced, we have to preach hard messages, difficult messages, talk about standards, talk about righteousness, talk about holiness. But we're most like Jesus when we're kind. I took the time this week to look up 43 verses in 23 books of the Bible on the subject of kindness. I read each of them. I took them apart. I parsed all of the words, all the necessary parts. And this message tonight may not sound like a Hebrew or Greek lesson, and I hope that it doesn't. I hope that it sounds like a primer like a beginning level lesson on kindness. On kindness. Psalm 117 and verse 2, speaking of the Lord, for His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And it does not take a PhD, or a genius to discover that those parts of that verse are connected. That the merciful kindness that is great toward us is the vehicle by which the truth of the Lord endures. It works in and through and out of us from generation to generation, from place to place, from situation to situation, the truth is only going to be empowered when we are on the receiving end of the merciful kindness of the Lord. I think about the Proverbs 31 woman, and I've known some of these. My mother in many ways, my wife in many ways, the Proverbs 31 woman. In verse 26 of that Tremendous treatise on womanhood. It says that she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. The next time, men, women, boys, girls, teenagers, young adults, senior citizens, the next time you're tempted to open your mouth and you discover that there's not wisdom or the law of kindness, kindly shut it.
until there's wisdom and the law of kindness. I'm preaching to myself tonight because I am a violator in this realm. There have been times when I would like to go back, take a great big eraser, and change the circumstance of the situation, but I cannot. Ministers of Jesus Christ are responsible, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 6, to not simply do what is right, but to do it in the right way. How we do it. And how is that? Kindness is never out of season. Kindness never passes out of style. We've been talking in the book of Ephesians about the spiritual wardrobe of believers, and we're going to see more and more of that. We're told in Colossians chapter 3, in the verse right before the one that we read to begin tonight. 3 and verse number 12. Put on, therefore, the elect of God, holy and beloved, now, it uses an old term, bowels of mercies, which refers to the seat of the emotions. That out of the very core of our emotions, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. In 50 years of preaching, I've had the privilege of standing alongside, seated alongside, being with in fellowship all kinds of preachers from all descriptions, all places. I've known some famous ones. I've known some great ones. I've known some that were great with God, but not with man. And I've got to say the greatest servants of God that I've ever met were kind and humble servants of God. Some of the same ones that you have etched indelibly upon your memory as standing up and preaching very hard messages out of the pulpit were among the kindest, sweetest people I've ever known in my life. I remember a preacher that could skin you a dozen different ways and just get started in the pulpit. And I was so shocked and surprised to be so well treated by him out of the pulpit. I'm telling you, the great people that I have known for God have been kind and humble people. My uncle, Uncle G. Archer Winnegar, great, great defender of fundamentalism in his lifetime had a scorching paper he put out called The Blueprint. Everybody feared getting written up in The Blueprint. If you were a compromiser, that's where your name ended up. And I recall on private and personal times with him how kind he was. When we were first married, we were, we were his guests at a preaching service, and we went out to eat. And he said, what would you like? Go ahead, what would you like? What would you like? And his nephew, my cousin, 
Bud Winnegar came over to me and whispered and said, take it. He won't ever offer it again. But he was kidding because my uncle G. Archer Winnegar was a very generous and kind and loving man. And when one of his friends stood in a fellowship meeting and introduced my uncle as the most hated man in America, my uncle didn't show it, but my aunt sat down here and wept because she knew the truth. He could skin the devil. He could skin the world, the flesh. He could skin a backslidden preacher. But he would never do harm. And outside the pulpit, he was a kind and generous and humble man. Be ye kind one to another. Among believers, that's a believer's relationship. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Put on kindness. This we must determine to do. It is a choice that we have to make to exercise brotherly kindness. As we move on further from our text in the book of Ephesians, and as we move into the fifth chapter, as we will, in a Wednesday night to come. Paul says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Now he, he draws the line and he says, Don't sin after this. But he says, When you're dealing with each other, walk in love. Walk in love. Be followers of God as dear children. You know the word agape, the underlying text of dear children is tekna agapeta. Children of love. Children born of love. Because God is love. The Apostle Paul says we are born of and should de demonstrate and manifest the love of God. Even though we stand for truth without compromise, we should be kind and humble and caring and forgiving. And we should be followers, mimetai, those that follow and behave and act out and live as our Father is. We should be like sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. Now, Eli didn't have the privilege of seeing his sons act out in the manner of his character, nor did Samuel. They were disappointed. We don't want to disappoint our Heavenly Father. We want the kindness that emanates from the heart that He's given us, that He's made over new and afresh, to be seen in the way that we speak to others and how we do what the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. How that we can help in a heartfelt way those 
who perhaps are self-destructive and those that perhaps are not careful about how they live, but we can be loving instead of pointing it out and making a spectacle of them. Let's seek to be kind. Let's seek to be humble. The Nazis thought that they would rule the world a thousand years, and they advertised that in their literature, but they didn't live up to their advertising. In a matter of a decade, they were out of business, and thank God for that. But I know somebody who 2,000 years ago conquered my heart. And if he's conquered your heart, then let that be seen in our attitude and in our behavior. Not a heart conquered by force, but a heart tenderized by love. The hardness of this world that we put on as a self-defensive mechanism needs to be traded in for a tender, warm-hearted heart. We need to forgive, not because people ask for it or because they deserve it in our estimation, but because when we forgive, then we're most like Jesus Christ. I'm reading from a book right now. I find that it helps to tell you what something is not in order to understand later what it is. This chapter is called Some Nice Things Forgiving Is Not. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. Now, I would like to forget, but I'm human. Forgiving is not the same as smothering conflict. Accepting people is not forgiving them. Though we should accept people on another basis, for Christ's sake, forgiving is not tolerance of wrongdoing. We don't change standards to forgive someone. We forgive them for Christ's sake, on His account. And David Augsburger has helped me to understand a little bit about this business of forgiveness. It takes into account seeing, thinking, feeling, intending, and acting. Write this down. Number one, the first step, if you were to diagram your head, the first step behind your eyes, I see you as being precious or having worth. That's the way I must perceive. I must see you as having worth. If I am going to be kind and humble, if I'm going to have the heartfelt warmth of the Lord Jesus, then I must see people as having worth. Now why should I? Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God thought we were worth it. Number two, now taking into consideration, move on back in the skull here a little bit in your diagram, I think... I need to think. Now, this is a discipline. I need to think thoughts. I need to cast down imaginations, and I need to think on these things. If Philippians chapter 4 tells us, intentionally think thoughts of a positive evaluation, a positive spiritual estimation of what that person can be in and through Christ. Number three, we move from I see to I think to I feel. I feel, I sense, because feeling does not precede thinking. Feeling must follow our thinking. I see the person as having spiritual worth. I think of them on the basis of positive biblical thoughts. 
Number three, I feel loving, valuing, caring, appreciative uh, feelings toward them. I choose to feel that way. You say, well, I just can't do that. I'm just not wired that way. Then get rewired because that's what we have to be. Number four, we move from I see to I think to I feel to I want. I want to move closer to this person and show the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to demonstrate in uh, baby steps trust and openness and acceptance toward this person. I need to do that. But this is all from a life by the grace of God that has been ordered. Our seeing, our thinking, our feeling, our wanting. And now we come to number five. I act. I act by opening my mouth and the law of kindness, wisdom is there and I speak, I express, I support, I, I do so in a way that is, uh, is touching and serving and I show, I demonstrate true concern and love toward the individual by the way I speak. This is really breakthrough in methodology because most people would leave the whole process up to happenstance. Not going to happen, folks. Jesus didn't go to the cross because it just happened to be a place to be on that day. He came to do the Father's will. And He went to the cross intentionally. And we need to do that as well every day. On Christ's account, forgiving as we have been forgiven. God is moving right now through the airwaves as we're broadcasting. Later on, as people are viewing it a day or a month or a year later, God is convicting right now because of our coldness and our lack of forgiveness and the absence of Christ-like kindness. Who will respond tonight? Who will put aside the judgmentalism? And who, like Jesus, will look beyond my fault and see my need? Let's be ready to forgive. God wants to work through us to restore somebody who's about to go under. They're just about totally broken right now. And they need somebody from among God's children to be like Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart in this message. Slip your hand up high. Yes, God bless you. And tonight we're going to extend the invitation. I'm going to ask you to come and kneel and have a word of prayer for yourself and for others and about situations and circumstances. And as long as it takes, we can go with the invitation. We don't want to hurry anybody tonight. Maybe that you've come tonight, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart to God right now? Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. 
and take me to heaven when I die. 